What's up, Warriors? I'm Kaylee. And I'm Betsy. And this is the Not Your Mama Pod. The Not Your Mama Pod are not experts of anything but talking. If you need medical or professional help, we do encourage you in finding the appropriate resources. Please know we are just speaking of our experiences or of the experiences of other and have no medical degrees. Hello, we have a super fabulous extra special guest with us today. She is beautiful. She just made a great face at me. Um, You've actually (laughs) heard from her before if you listen to our uh, Myrtle Beach Girls Trip recap. Um, We have Amy, our dear friend with us, one of the infertile Myrtle Turtles. Welcome! (laughs) (laughs) Fun fact, you may be my tallest friend. Yeah? I'm a lot of people's tallest friend. (laughs) But (laughs) it only matters when it's mine or Betsy's. Right, yeah. Because we're the favorite. Yeah, so we need to get groceries together so I can get you the top shelf item. You can reach. Yeah. Love love that when I don't have to climb a shelf. (laughs) (laughs) I like see that all the time at like stores and I'm like, can I help you get something? Like I'm always shy about it because I'm like, hi, I'm huge. Can I get that cereal for you? Like ogre, but they're usually appreciative. So always, we always are. Well, we love you and we appreciate you being yeah. here. Hi. Thanks for having yeah. me. I'm excited. So do you just want to tell us about yourself, whatever you feel like? If if you want to start from your from the womb, you may. <laughs> we already discussed. I we came did. out first. We, yeah, we discussed that part, but she said more rumor, than that. Yeah. Rumor has it my dad was still parking the car and oh. so he missed my birth. That's the rumor. And then that's also why my name has so many letters was because my mom was like, I don't know how they want it spelled. So she just picked. She just kept giving extra E. It was just like, kept buying vowels and here we are. Well, <laughs> you do have um, a lot of vowels in your name, actually. I know. Yeah, I, I don't think my I'm phone ever... was misspelling it at first because it like took your contact information in and I was like, that can't be right. I said, I go double check. I was like, no, that's how you still hate me. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. And then apparently it's like means love and French. If you have a little like tick mark above one of the E's, but we're not French people. So <laughs> that doesn't matter as much. They just saw you were like, love. She has I a lot actually of love. have another friend that's spelled the exact same. Yeah. So I feel like, so, I feel like you guys are rare, but not that we rare. are. I live in the wonderful state of Minnesota, so I'm cold year round, even mm-hmm. though it's, you know, 80 degrees out. I'm married and I have a pupper who is 12, but and we are currently and likely always now childless, but not by choice. Yeah. Okay. Wah, wah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. They didn't yeah. catch that by like the infertile myrtle group and things like that. True. Yeah. All right. I went on a childless trip, but yeah, it was all right. Oh, yeah. So I'm also one of those special gals with the endometriosis and likely suspected adenomyosis. So I get a whole lot of fun in my life. Yeah. Um, my period started when I was 13 and I just remember being like, uh, what the heck is going on here? And I kind of like from it for a few hours till my sister went to work and then I immediately called my mom and was like 
something's wrong. <laughs> like, I'm dying. I woke up and there was a mess. <laughs> but I like how you uh-huh. hit it. You're like, they're yeah. not going to make fun of me. No, right. Yeah. I'm like, well, she can go to work. I was like outside and play with the dogs, eating some Doritos because that's what you <laughs> eat when you're 13 and it's breakfast. So I, I love a Dorito. I, I wish love I could Dorito. have a Dorito. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll make gluten-free ones, right? I think there's different version. Um, Siete makes are actually a really good version of like a oh. nacho cheese. Okay. It's vegan and gluten-free is good. Okay. I do like that brand. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't remember my first period being bad. Um, and I really don't remember even knowing anything about it. Just being like, oh, it's going to last, you know, five to seven days. Because that's what they said on my girl, you know, I'm back in five to seven days and whatever. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, cool, here we go. But um, I soon found out that periods are horrible, at least for me. Uh, they progressively got worse. I would take like 30 plus Advil a day and still just be like in debilitating pain. And, yeah. you know, I like tell my mom, I can't go to work. Like, please call the school, tell them I can't, or can't go to school. Sorry, I was not working. I was working, but you know, during the school time, <laughs> when you were could not go to school, or like when I would go to school, I would just be so sick. Like I know our neighbor gal picked me up at more than once because I yeah. just could not handle it. Like it was just awful. Um, Pretty normal stuff. Totally normal. Totally yeah, normal. that's what <laughs> everybody are so normal. <laughs> yeah. Did yeah. you have and any idea that you were different or did your mom or were like people just thought you were extra sensitive? Was there any like, right. thoughts so, about it? Yeah, I think it wasn't too far into it that my mom was like, I bet you have endometriosis. Oh, wow. Her sister had endometriosis and had a hysterectomy in her 20s. And she's like, you must have that. Like, this is crazy. Like, cause she was, uh, they, both my mom and dad were like, why are you going through so much Advil? Like, this is insane. There's no way you're in that much pain. And not that they were trying to dismiss my pain. They were just like, what in the world? Like, yeah. you're going to kill yourself taking all these, right. all these NSAIDs, you know? Um, and you're so like, eventually, my, liver, my liver likes it. <laughs> yeah. It's going to get a good workout once I can drink legally. So this is just like pre-workout to prep work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got an Olympic liver. <laughs> you're so funny. Yeah. I'm ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so eventually my mom or I'm sure my mom, like she just did everything basically. Cause my dad always worked and my mom worked too, but mom did everything and so she made me an appointment with a gynecologist like small town clinic and they were I was like well you know I go to that appointment I'm like well my mom wants me to get birth control to help regulate my cycles because I was having like three weeks of bleeding pain that whole time a week off two or three more weeks of bleeding like it was just horrible and like you can't live like that as a kid like that sucks and none of my friends had that. So I was just like, I don't know. I just have a crappy uterus and periods. And so at 16, I started birth control and got, I found my first love, which is naproxen that like saves me <laughs> <laughs> a lot. I get so that. I, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I think I told, you know, that doctor, oh, my mom thinks I have endometriosis. And that's like when the gaslighting started of, no, you don't, you don't have all the symptoms 
symptoms well and to diagnose that that requires surgery and you don't want that yeah you don't want to go into surgery yeah no definitely you don't want a diagnosis you don't want answers so just continue it doesn't you don't need to know what's happening to your insides and why you're in so much pain exactly it's normal (laughs) totally and we haven't Um, hit on enough of how when like normally when you get to the reproductive age all they do is talk about pregnancy and your future and hold it on. But I feel like anybody who got the diagnosed or understood endo as a teenager got a lot of gaslighting about like, you don't know yet. You don't know your body. That doesn't happen to you yet. You're not a reproductive age. I don't really care. Like there's a lot of weird gaslighting before you get there. Or like once you get pregnant, it's going to go away. Yeah, Just hold out till you grow up and then you'll be fine. Like that's Uh, interesting. Yeah. It's so annoying because yeah, like, in my 20s and stuff people are like oh just have a kid then your periods will change and it's like no I don't think so I don't think that's how it works good advice (laughs) don't think I'm gonna do that (laughs) also I'm giving it a go like it didn't work (laughs) right yeah but wait there's more (laughs) wait what I want to still don't get to know yeah exactly turns out didn't need the birth control to control the potential births so yeah yeah. so that's fun Um, I I joke like around with my with people like that like if I would have known, I would have been having un, like unprotected sex. <laughs> totally, yeah. I was like, so safe. Yeah, <laughs> I know. There was no chance. I yeah, totally like, thought that too. I was like, I was like, because teen pregnant, I'm the only person in my family that hasn't had teen pregnancy. So like wow. the fact that I made it to my 20s before I even tried, I was like, oh, I'm, like, I'm, I'm doing awesome. things the right way. Yeah. I'm like, doing so good. Well, actually, I wasn't going to get that curse no matter what, y'all. Right. Yeah. I have a coworker who has five kids and I'm like, even he couldn't get me pregnant. Like, let's go. (laughs) Let's give it a shot. Like, I've said that multiple times at work just because it makes people uncomfortable, but it's probably true. Like, this is like steel trap. (laughs) Right. The humor we develop dealing with not only a chronic illness but then one that's like an unspeakable area on our body because we're not supposed to talk about vaginas yeah I think makes us super funny I'm not gonna lie yeah most yeah, people are like why would you say that material. yeah like but oh my pretty- god well that's so sad and I'm like no it's actually kind of I mean it is sad but it's yeah. kind of funny especially like, like oh. that's our coping mechanism I think all totally of humor. yeah yeah Once I don't time. want therapy I just want to make fun of it right (laughs) once in a while except I go to weekly therapy once in a while I do uh make a crude enough joke that people look at me and I'll be like if I was Amy Schumer he would have accepted it and they're like right I was like just call me Amy yeah (laughs) exactly totally so anyways so you're in your 16-ish and you got a birth control yeah turns out birth control gives me terrible migraines so I would have occasional migraines as a kid but never really understood them like I remember telling an eye doctor like oh I just randomly go blind sometimes and Mm. then I have a headache (laughs) and they were just like "Mm, that sounds weird and never got that diagnosed because again you don't want diagnoses you just want to keep guessing obviously yeah totally normal so birth control gave me basically like weekly migraines um which is super fun especially when you're 
you know, fresh out of college, new job, have to go to work, like is just freaking awful. So then I eventually, because I work at such a big hospital, lots of specialties, lots of people I can go see for any, you know, hangnail or whatever you have, there's a specialist for that. So I saw a neurologist. So then they put me on gabapentin. So then I was taking gabapentin two to three times a day, depending on the dosing. And then my naproxen for my cramps and birth control so that I wouldn't get pregnant. Let's just and... keep putting another Band-Aid on it. Just keep covering <laughs> up. <laughs> yes. I was literally like a walking pharmacy, you know, like I have, I'm sure you guys saw in Myrtle Beach, but I have my little coach pillbox because why not have a cute thing to tote your pills around in? <laughs> you got pills. You might as well make it fancy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working my way up to the Gucci one. I'm sure there's got to be one. So we'll Like a Louis Vuitton one. Yeah. Totally. Sure <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's... My... That's super frustrating, especially if you being medical, I wonder how frustrating it is to you, but that is definitely like textbook treating symptoms rather than like diagnosing a patient. I know. Yeah. And like with my neurologist, he was great. And he, you know, had me scan to make sure there was nothing wrong in my head and stuff like that. So like they went through the proper avenues, but it was just what we see. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And like, by the time I honestly, by the time I started going to (laughs) <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> I like uh, when Betsy just starts laughing silently because she's so proud of her joke. <laughs> she's like, oh, I made a proud funny. of my <laughs> It made me so happy. I love it. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Um, so yeah, so by the time I got to my large institution and seeing specialists and seeing like gynecology here. I quit complaining about my periods because I'm just like, nope, it's normal. Like I have been told for 10 years now that this is normal for me. I don't have all the symptoms for endometriosis. I don't need surgery because it's clear I don't have it since I didn't check all the boxes. Right. So I honestly quit complaining about it. I'm just like, okay, I just, I knew I needed a birth control. I knew I needed naproxen and my second love gabapentin. And that's just kind of how I lived. Apparently your new normal, which is insane. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, there's like elderly patients that don't take this many meds, (laughs) you know? And like, it's just stupid. It's like, it's really frustrating though, too. Like, I don't know if you do well on them, but even like just the thought of like how much money and time and energy it takes to like regulating to feel good is just a lot to handle. Totally. And like gabapentin causes crazy dreams. And so then I would dream that, you know, half of my foot was gone and the rest that was there looked like an Adidas sandal. And it was so vivid. Honestly, that sounds like my normal dreams. (laughs) (laughs) I know, like I'm a crazy dreamer anyway. Yeah. But on that stuff, holy balls, it's crazy. Especially when I came, I had to come off of that before we could start trying to conceive and so yeah coming off of that I was just like I'm afraid to go to bed I don't know what I'm gonna dream tonight you know like it was exhausting but I was gonna ask how you reacted when you got off of birth control but that's even like 10 times more oh yeah you get off of things yeah right so like honestly being on birth control managed my uterus fine like my cramps were tolerable with as long as I had enough naproxen and whatever. But um, so I finally got off of that in 2013, like the end of 2013. 
um because we started trying to conceive and whatever and like eight months or so into that I was like well something's obviously wrong like I was tracking my cycles everything seemed normal I was doing um over-the-counter ovulation kits I was ovulating according to those and so I was like Chris something's wrong with you you need to go get a semen analysis (laughs) so I'm just like I know I'm regular I know I'm good like you need to go and so he went he like called uh the clinic and was able to get in and they were kind of like so did REI send you and he's like no my wife did (laughs) (laughs) like my wife is my referral like I don't have those rights but I was like whatever just start calling numbers somebody will answer (laughs) and so that like it ended up being fine for him it was kind of lowish interesting to think because like that's almost like my exact timeline of where we started to conceive too and it's just like it's so weird to think about those things like it feels like it was a like a whole lifetime ago for me totally yeah sure it feels the same for you yeah totally like I would not picture me where I am today from back then you know and yeah like and I was like this stupid friend that like when friends that were trying to conceive and couldn't I'd be like well I'll just carry it for you you know I'll be your surrogate because everybody right. just got pregnant nobody had problems so if yeah, a friend yeah. had problems I was offering up my uterus not realizing my uterus is completely like this giant black hole yeah. <laughs> you know but it's like and knowing now as the recipient of those comments like that's not helpful like yeah. don't say that like oh god I just you know my foot fits very well in my mouth uh frequently so yeah man we yeah. didn't know and like to be fair we focus now on medical gaslighting the long diagnosis period the little help once you are diagnosed what we yeah. never talk about is like we also have no education as young ladies about Mm -hmm. what reproductive percentages and chances you have about miscarriage percentages about, you know, not everyone becomes a mom or there's could be, I don't think I even knew of anything outside of uvarian cancer when I was little, like that's probably about the only thing I thought you could get down there was cancer. So like, yeah, there's so much like non-education that we just assume when you want to be a mom, you'll become a mom. Right. Yeah. It just happens. Just get off birth control and boom. Yeah. pregnant but yeah and no. I think like I didn't know I didn't know hardly anyone who had any issues either I mean like my my mom obviously had six kids my sisters all have kids and like yeah they none of them had problems getting pregnant so it was just right. like it wasn't expected for me yeah. at all yeah yeah so it just blows you away to like yeah. look at your family and how many cousins you might have and what they have for families and But also it's very interesting because my mother did have miscarriages and because of the shame around that, I didn't know they occurred growing up. And then even when I learned about it, it was more of like offensiveness that I was told and like, I shouldn't know, I shouldn't know those things happen, but I didn't take it like with a lot of weight. I was just like, oh, she Mm -hmm. had a miscarriage, but then she had me and it's okay. And now being on the opposite end where I had a miscarriage and I also didn't have a kid um to hold in my arms I was like oh well I wish my mom would have explained that a bit more to me because yeah like I feel bad and I also think it would have been a good educational point of like instead of telling me hey Kay you may have a hard time getting pregnant when you get to that point in your life without any mm. context right I feel like 
oh, well, here's the thing. I had these many miscarriages and also my uterus mm-hmm. was taken from me when I was 30. Yeah. Oh, my okay. mom had three miscarriages between my sister and I. That's why we're almost eight years apart, but never, you know, figured out why. And mm-hmm. back then it was the, you know, seventies and eighties. So smoking and drinking was normal, no matter what stage of pregnancy you were in. So it yeah. was just like, woohoo, live it up. And well, once we got into like the trying to conceive and doing our IUIs and stuff, she kind of opened up more and was just like, no, I remember when I was having all those miscarriages, just how devastating it was to then see, you know, another pregnant woman and just yeah. being like, ah, like, just like she actually, you know, for like a 30 second conversation kind of opened up about how awful that made her feel you know way back then and yeah I think back then you know people didn't talk about it now I feel like people talk about it more but yet there's still a lot that people don't you know let you know and it's like oh you're finally pregnant with a child and they'll be like oh yeah I've already had like three miscarriages or something and it's just like well why don't you tell us like we'd love to support you through that you know and it's not like very much not not wanting to make people feel uncomfortable yeah. is probably a lot yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, well, and people don't talk about it unless they're in the club, unfortunately. Right. You're in True. the I'm infertile and I'm trying to get pregnant club, or you're in the no kid club. Right. Yeah. Like it's very open conversation for us, but yeah, I still make women uncomfortable when I talk about it when they're like getting to the age that they're starting to try for a family. Right. Like, Like, don't give me that negative energy. Yeah. But it's not bad. It's like reality. Yeah. But if you're going to sit next to me and talk about how you're trying to get pregnant and you're so excited for the future, I should be allowed to also talk about my life. Yeah. Yeah. Or especially when people are like, oh, we're going to have a boy first and then two girls. And it's like, just be happy you get pregnant and be happy you have a successful pregnancy and a healthy child. Like, can we just please just just pray for that? I, uh, last side loop, and then I'll have you jump back into your infertility journey. But I, um, was listening to one of my favorite podcasts and it's one of the top podcasts in the U S the male, one of the male, uh, talk hosts. Was it NPR? No, but I do listen to that a lot. You saw my, you saw my pod list. <laughs> She's like, oh, and there's the nerd. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> no, but this guy is like, I think uh, around the 50 year mark and single. And he's like, yeah, when I have kids someday. And I just like, the other day I just stopped mid-sentence and I was like, not only have you not worried about like your ability to have kids as an upper forties male, but also like, you think it's still going to happen when I had to come to terms with that in my late twenties. Like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. But like, all right. So ignorance is bliss, I guess. It It is. is. So so Chris had, you you sent Chris on your orders to go get tested. (laughs) I wrote an order. (laughs) (laughs) Everything seemed fine there. Oh, my poor husband. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, he was fine on the lower end, but fine. So I eventually got myself into REI within my clinic. And again, when I met with them, I was just like, well, you know, they linked my chart with my husband so that, cause we are a couple and they're like, oh, okay, well we see he's low. And based on what you've told us, because I didn't mention my shitty periods, they were like, oh, based on what you've told us, you probably have a luteal phase defect. So they put us both on Clomid. 
So oh. I took Clomid to help me induce ovulating sooner in my cycle. And then I would do um, progesterone suppositories post like IUI, gooey fun. <laughs> and then he took uh, Clomid just to kind of help boost his testosterone. And make Was your house okay? Because Clomid oh. made me a psychopath. Like, oh, I can't God. imagine both of us it was, being on it at the same time. Clomid was crazy. Yeah, it made me crazy. It didn't make Chris crazy at all. Okay. He was fine on it. But yeah, like I would be like rage cleaning one minute and bawling the next yeah. and like night sweats and hot yeah, flashes like hot during flashes the day. Really and, yeah. oh, I've never, God. I didn't, I didn't take Clomid because I was not proactive in my infertility the first couple of years because I was in yeah. denial and then I got pregnant and miscarried. So then I'm high risk. So I can't have Clomid. Okay. Um, so I never went through it. I have never once heard one person say they were like normal on it. No. Yeah. And I was on even like a lower dose too. Cause I think my hormones all tested fine. And then like it, it would, you know, boost my ovaries. And so I would have, I was at risk for being Octomom because my ovaries were just like, <clears throat> and like, like plumped up, like the biggest chicken you've ever seen. And they would be like, every time I go for an ultrasound follicle check, they'd be like, uh, I don't know if we'll do our IUI this, you know, cycle because you have so many large follicles. And I'm like, listen, the symptoms I'm describing to you, which is, you know, pain in my pelvis, like fullness just feeling like crap plus like the mood swings and whatever I was like this is my normal like this is my normal ovulation pain I don't feel like these eight follicles are any different than my one or two I probably do naturally and so they never we had to end up skipping like two of the we did four total IUIs but six total medicated cycles just because like ovulation predictor kits failed a couple times and whatever so yeah but none of those passed. And so then um, none of them led to a pregnancy. And so then in like early 2015, they were like, okay, well, your next step is IVF. And of course I ball because I'm like, no, I don't want to do IVF. I even asked that um, uh, consultant at that time who was like in his 60s, ready to retire. I was like, can I do one more IUI with your sperm? Maybe your sperm are better. <laughs> and he was just like terrified. Like, why do you want my old sperm? Listen, you know, there's a documentary that, that, yeah. that obviously that works. Guy did it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That dude in, uh, where was he at? Uh, Illinois? Know. Something like Somewhere? that. Ohio. Definitely Midwest vibe. Total Midwesterner. Yeah. <laughs> No, like, and it was just like, I don't know, I'm just an idiot when it comes to being at the doctor, because I'm, I'm just, I'm there to entertain, but also learn. <laughs> so he declined the offer to contribute to <laughs> our IUI. He said, thanks, but no thanks. Which is good, because he was like 5'8", and I wanted <laughs> to have taller children. <laughs> like, we can't have short children. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. You, just, you just know. You know, you just know when it's right. So did you, right. you went to IVF then? No. So then we took a break because that was in 2015. And I was like, I am not doing IVF. Like they told us, you know, the stats and it was a less than 50% chance that it would have success. And so I was just like, nope, I'm not spending 15 grand when it's not going to be a hundred percent chance or even, you know, above 50 percent because I'm like you know I'm in my early 30s so I'm like no this is not gonna 
not what I wanted to spend my money on because I had barely any money at the time anyways. Right. Um, so then I never, I didn't get back on birth control. I just kind of stayed as I was, but then my flow got worse. My cramps got worse. Like I basically got to the point in 2019. So four years later where I was just in constant pain, like daily pain, I could barely function. Like I would go to work, but I was just popping pain pills, like all the time, naproxen, nothing good, (laughs) but still (laughs) naproxen, my buddy. Um, but then one of my friends that, uh, was working with one of the REI MDs at work and she was like, I can probably get you in to see him. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to see another doctor. Tell him about my crappy uterus and have him be like, nope, like dismiss me again. Like been there, done that. It's been 20 years. I'm sick of that. You know? And she's just like, no, that's not what he's like. Like, it's fine. He's so great with patients because she Mm -hmm. worked in the clinic with him. And so she was just like, well, what's your clinic number? I'll get you set up. And so she did. And we were actually on one of our vacations when they called. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to answer. I'm on vacation. (laughs) And I was fully intending on like not even calling back to make an appointment. I'm like, no, they're not going to listen. I know how this goes. Been there, done that. And so then we get back from vacation and they call again, like, yes, we've been trying to get a hold of you and we'd like to for you to schedule an appointment. I'm just like, ugh. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll call and I'll make the appointment. It'll probably be like six weeks out. I'm going to cancel it before the appointment right. shows up because go. yeah, plenty sure. of time to yeah, fear it and stress about it and then cancel it. So I call like after our vacation like, oh, we just had a cancellation. So you can come in two days. And I'm just like, I even told the receptionist, and I'm like, no, that doesn't give me enough time to stress about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I need time to stress. And she's just like, no, she's like, I think you should do it. Cause otherwise it'll be a few weeks. And I was just like, that doesn't even give me time to back out. Like that's literally (laughs) like you make it. Like I'm committing to it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, ugh, I'm like, okay, fine. So I went and he turned out to be like the most amazing man, like in the history of time, like the only man I've ever talked to about my crappy uterus and all my pain and everything that seems to understand it without having one of his own. Like he was just like, nope, I get it. Like he spent two and a half hours with me in clinic, just going through all the things. That's when I first learned of adenomyosis. Yeah. And, um, I had told him to, like, when I got there, I was like, all I've ever been told is I have dysmenorrhea and I hate that word. Like, yeah, please yeah. don't tell me I have dysmenorrhea. Cause that's, it's a nothing word. It means you have yeah. a painful period, but that doesn't give you a reason why. So I'm like, yep. don't use that word. <laughs> and so don't he's write just like, me off. well, <laughs> he's like, I might have to, <laughs> yeah. um, and so he was like, okay, you know, educated me on endo, adno, and then he's like, and then there's the D word. <laughs> and I'm like, no, don't tell me I have that. And he was also kind of skeptical based on my symptoms. Like, I don't know that you have all the right symptoms, but it's like, I'm willing to put you through all these tests because there's pre-surgical tests I had to do. And then I could schedule surgery. And so then that was only a month out. And I was like, that doesn't give me enough time to stress about this. (laughs) He's just like, well, I have a date, you know, every two weeks you can get in. And I'm just like looking at him. And he's like, just do that first date. Like, basically these people are just telling me when to come I'm like 
thanks for making the decision for me. <laughs> so you found a guy, who, you found this doctor who's going to listen to you. Finally, he's spending some yes. time with you explaining yes. all of these things about endo, adeno, dysmenorrhea, yeah. which you didn't want to hear anymore. Yep. About. The B word. <laughs> so what happened next? Um, so then I scheduled my surgery and had that um, in April of 2019. And that ended up being about three and a half hours. And he found endometriosis uh, throughout my pelvis on right and left sides. All the adjacent organs were not affected. So it was not on my bladder, not in my rectum. None of that, um, but he was able to resect everything that he could find. Um, and he suspected then at that time that, oh, likely I have adenomyosis because he said my uterus felt really boggy to him. Like it, when he kind of would poke at it with his instruments or whatever, that it kind of like left an indentation and then slowly kind of filled back up. And so I was like, oh, so more like a wet sponge versus a balloon. And he's like, exactly. Like, you know, you poke a wet sponge, it's squishy, but your uterus is supposed to be like a nice, firm, juicy organ. Um, I've never so, heard that before. Like oh, how that could kind yeah. of lead to that assumption of adenomyosis. I've never right. heard anybody say Yeah, that. so that's kind of like the way they can say, they can assume that you have it. And then also too, he had said pre-surgically pre that, oh, if we remove all of this stuff, or if we find endo, we remove it, but it doesn't get rid of your pain, then likely your pain is caused from adenomyosis if we suspect that. And so that basically ended up being kind of my case that like I don't feel like um the surgery really helped a ton with my pain like I ended up from surgery going to um that like he placed an IUD during surgery because he's like this is what we do for um patients that we suspect have endometriosis but still want to have kids and likely want to go through IVF we do the surgery, we get rid of any endometriosis we see, then we put an IUD in them to kind of just calm everything down. And then once you're getting into IVF, then you go on birth control. And so I'm like, oh, okay, great. Let's go back on the migraine train, you know? Right. Um, but so yeah, like I came out of surgery. It's so wild how they like do all of these things to like suppress. Yeah. Like essentially suppress pregnancy and then like your body is supposed to automatically like go into like hundred percent it's like let me give you chemicals that won't let you get pregnant or let me put you in menopause medically yeah. menopause and then yeah all of a sudden let's crank it up and make you crazy so you right. get pregnant yeah and then think yeah. it should be normal right then we're just supposed to be fine don't cry <laughs> you're just going through yeah. menopause yeah <laughs> right yeah um, oh man. Yeah. It was a, um, one of the funny things after surgery. So, you know, you're waking up and you're loopy and whatever. And of course I was in a ton of pain cause I had just been jacking around in my uterus. And, um, like I had known beforehand that, oh, if I wake up with three incisions, they didn't find anything. If I wake up with four, then that means they did work. Cause he makes like this little accessory incision to do more work through, and I know I asked the nurse that was like taking taking care of me post op, like how many incisions do I have? And she was like four. And so like that should have clued me in that oh this is gonna lead to my diagnosis, you know. But it didn't because of course I'm doped up and in a ton of pain. So I just kind of laid there and slept for a while. 
And eventually he came in and was like, okay, well, here's the pictures I took during your surgery. And he's like, we found endometriosis. And I literally was like, I fucking told you so. (laughs) And like, I literally was just like yelled it at him. And he was just like, okay, well, so here's where we found it. And then I started like looking between him, his resident and Chris. And I was just like, I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not crazy. Like it was just one. Yeah, like of I've things. literally been thinking this since I was like 16 or whatever. Yeah. yeah. For 20 years, I have been told I don't have all the symptoms. I yeah. don't have all of this. You don't want to go through the surgery because you don't want the diagnosis. And I was just like, ah, like redemption day. If I just not had that no. you want the di- diagnosis. You don't want that diagnosis because it sucks. But right. to finally have that answer to like, years of pain and years of cramping years of planning my life around am I gonna have my period then can I go on that trip you know yeah. like also like ugh. it feels validating I know it's like the I never said it's the gaslighting yeah. they've been telling yeah. you that you're weak and you're crazy for years yeah. right and then you get a yeah. diagnosis and you're like middle fingers like I told yeah. you and then they're like, yeah but we have no cure and we're like right. middle fingers. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, why not just <laughs> give us another one? <laughs> Actually, both my surgeons, because now I've had ablation and excision, both yeah. of them post-surgery said, You're not crazy. And so when my second surgeon did it, I can tell it's just kind of part of protocol. Like yeah. he confirms yeah. endo and he goes, You're right. not crazy. I was like, I knew that before they took it out the first time. Uh, yeah. fully apologized to me after when he was doing my like diagnostic laparoscopic, you know, surgery because. He's like, I'm sorry that like, I didn't really listen to you. I mean, essentially. And like, that was the most validating thing is because you're like, I've been fighting for this stupid surgery, the stupid diagnosis for so long. Mm -hmm. And finally someone is like realizing it. Yeah. It's just like, it's crazy. I know it's just insane. But yeah, I just like after he left from that little consultation thing, like I just started falling and the nurse was like, is this, hey, like, is this happy tears? Are you sad? And I'm just like, I'm not crazy. And I just like told everybody that I saw that day. I was like, I'm not crazy. I have endometriosis. (laughs) And they're just like, okay, like good for you. But it's like, no, like we don't. Yeah, Yeah. right. There's no balloon that says, congrats, you have endometriosis on it, but yeah. yeah. There should be business idea. Exactly. (laughs) Tell Nikki for her uh, card store. (laughs) We did comment like in one of our first episodes, you know, like those poppers that like shoots confetti. We're like, we want little uterus confetti to like explode at people because we deserve that. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Just be like, here you go. Heavy day. (laughs) We win. Um, so what did you end up doing post-surgery exact lineup of medications and steps? Cause you still wanted to be a mom at this point, right? Right. Yeah. So then that was what led into our IVF journey. So I got the IUD placed during surgery and then, um, you know, blood and went through all that fun stuff for a few months. And then that summer, so that happened in April was my surgery in June. We did our pre-IVF workup. And that's when I like kind of in that time was then when I finally started actually researching endometriosis because I had been told, you know, for so long, I don't have it. So why would I even look into it? Right. Now I have it. Now I'm like, oh, crap, I got to figure out how to deal with this. And a friend of mine was like, oh, well, you should try, you know, gluten-free, dairy-free diet that can help with inflammation. Like there's a bunch of supplements. I read 
a book about like improving your egg health and it was great for like my medical brain because it like it simplified it enough to where I understood it yet it was medical enough to where I was like ooh, nerdy I like talking about (laughs) you know organs and things and um so I started on like all these supplements. I had Chris on supplements. We, I was spending between three and $400 a month just on supplements for oh the two goodness. of us. Like insane, wow. yeah. but like, I felt great. Like it was honestly like the best summer of my life with my having an IUD, being back on birth control, like eating gluten-free, dairy-free, like basically quit drinking, didn't have yeah. sugar zero fun but I actually felt really good <laughs> and, and I have probably lost had weight. hope you probably have right. like a lot of hope like That's, pushing yes yeah. right yeah so that was it was like I had this huge driving force so like that's why I could be okay with you know going out with friends and be like nope I'm just gonna have water and I'm gonna order that burger with no bun like it was okay because I had such a huge reason to do it yeah. and stick to it plus I felt good and stuff yeah. so that was great. And then, uh, so then six months after surgery, we had decided, okay, they've basically told us we have dealt with people with your diagnoses and we have gotten them pregnant with IVF. So what I hear is you're going to go through IVF and get pregnant. Yeah. Sure. So moronic me, it's like, yep, let's just do this. This yeah. is going to work. Yeah. Um, so we go in and like in September of 2019 was when we did our stem cycle. And, you know, aside from the drugs and like the regimen with that, like I cannot complain about stimming at all. I only had to do shots for eight days and they were like, you're 36 years old. Like you should have had to stim, you know, for two weeks and like, you should only have like six eggs because of your age. And I was like, nope, just, you know, mega chicken here making all these eggs and (laughs) only stimming for eight days and whatever like it was exhausting I was so tired and whatever but it's like again with like the pain and the fullness of my ovaries going nuts like that's what I was used to that's how my life was you know so I was just like oh well this really isn't that different I just I felt a little like at work I was very like forgetful and I felt really dumb a lot like I'd go to get supplies for a case and just be like what the heck am I pulling for and I would just pull yeah. like the most random things yeah. and I was like "Ooh, maybe this is pregnancy brain and so this is what it's going to be like when I'm pregnant later yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like wow this is gonna suck it's gonna be a long nine months of being stupid right. <laughs> but also like you're still kind of like excited like yeah totally just so naively like oh this is what it's gonna be like I can't yeah. wait yeah <laughs> like a dummy um but yeah so then the day before my 37th birthday was when I had my egg retrieval done so it's like oh Chris this is good because my eggs are gonna be a year younger and it's gonna make better embryos and he's like it's literally a day it's one day does it but they're 36 year old eggs not 37 year old eggs so it's way better (laughs) and he's just like whatever makes you happy I love it. <laughs> yeah. So egg retrieval, that was super fun. Like, I hate to sound like a drug seeker, but I love the drugs you get for like surgery, pre-surgery, like egg retrieval. Like, oh God, they're such a trip. And they just, they make it so you don't remember things. <laughs> and 
I'm a drug seeker, so my body does not do well on drugs. So I, I never experienced this. Feeling. No, I'm horrible. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. My body oh. hates like pain. No. It hates all the pain meds. It does not oh, love yeah. drugs. Ibuprofen no, makes it. me loopy. Like I don't do anything. What? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. No, like I woke up from the egg retrieval and the nurses are just like in tears laughing because of course I'm just blabbing around about whatever and finally like the more I came to I was like you guys have to tell me what was so funny and they were like well you kept saying that you were going to drive home because highway 52 has three lanes so you have options (laughs) 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 I'm just like yeah that sounds like me (laughs) I can drive guys it's fine (laughs) Like, oh, that is pretty an, funny. Yeah, that is I was like, just tell Chris to bring me the car. I'm gonna drive home. Like, I'm just <laughs> crazy drunk. That's just gonna go drive. But don't drink and drive, or no. do propofol and drive. Fast. No drugs and driving. <laughs> no drugs and driving. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we got 12 eggs that yielded. We ended up doing genetic testing because that was recommended by our physicians because of my potentially unstable uterus so they were like well it's best to kind of rule that part out so that if you go through a transfer and it fails they don't have to question was it genetically normal or not we know that ahead of time so we're like okay sure what's another three grand here you go so we did that and so from 12 eggs we got three blastocysts which were tested and then of those three two were normal and one was not normal and you could find out at the time what the gender is of the embryos, but we're like, no, we're going to find out in the delivery room because <laughs> this is going to work. So we didn't find that out, but we had, you know, kind of left it. So obviously the team knows, but they know that we don't know. Um, and then kind of during that time from September until November, which was when our first transfer was, I started doing acupuncture. So now I'm doing, you know, three to $400 a month of supplements, acupuncture, chiropractor, like all the things, literally just, here's all my money because it's legit work. Can yeah. you imagine just being these people who just go and have sex and get pregnant? No, and spend zero I was like, dollars. like oh, so yeah. this like, is where's I the wish... heroin and the meth? because that's clearly more effective than this medicated IVF stuff. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I also think this is why they should be more upfront with your chances, like your percentage chance, I, because yeah. even though IVF and all that process is insanely expensive, most people are having outrageous bills outside of it. Right. And like, if you have a 10% chance at a successful pregnancy, is that worth it? Right. I don't think anybody yeah. like assumes that you may not become pregnant or know how little your chances. Right. Yeah. And like they tell us, you know, at the um, visits or whatever, like, oh, well, if you get, you know, 10 to 12 eggs might yield you maybe one embryo. So we were like, okay, well, we got 12 eggs and three embryos. So we're winning. We're, <laughs> like, we're good. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. like this is our sign. Um, but it was not. Uh So we did our first transfer at the end of November and kind of during that time, um, I had started thinking, oh, 
it'll be fun because we're going to get our first transfer done before Christmas. So by Christmas, we'll know that we're pregnant and we'll have already had our heartbeat ultrasound. So I was like, genius idea for a Christmas gift. I started making a Shutterfly book of like that we would give to my parents and Chris's parents. Like, here's how, you know, we're pregnant surprise. And here's how this happened, you know, because you don't do that when you just are normal and have sex. Right. Nobody wants that book. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, someone might. There might be a market somebody for that might. <laughs> yeah. Here's some hot tips. Head down. <laughs> but yeah, so I started kind of, you know, I just made this Shutterfly book. I had all these pictures I had taken during appointments and also it was really therapeutic for me too because it's and it's just like a nice journal to have now like looking back at it and stuff but um so we did our first transfer November 22nd and uh the blood test was December 1st and that was negative shocker surprise and that was just like incredibly crushing it was uh, like I I had felt like we had gone through um Thanksgiving when uh during this whole like two week wait you know and so I was like okay like I'm at Thanksgiving and I'm basically pregnant because I have this embryo that's genetically normal so it's gonna stick and yeah there's no way this isn't gonna work and you know I kind of had to fib on oh why is there a timer going off it's gotta go pop some pills you know why aren't you drinking? Like you're always kind of the lush here. And it's like, Oh no, I'm just going to have some warm water. Yum. (laughs) (laughs) Totally the trendy thing now. (laughs) But yeah. Anybody in your extended family know you guys were doing IVF or is it really hush hush? Okay. That was hush hush. My coworkers all knew because it's like, well, I basically live with them. So they were all very much in the know and like the closer friends that I have knew. So I could, you know, had people to talk to about it, but like, I didn't want any of our families knowing because we were going to surprise them at Christmas. So surprise. Um, But yeah, so then we got the we saw like on my portal that day on December 1st that it was negative and I was just like a mess and Chris was a mess and he was just like it's okay you know we have one more and I'm just bawling and it was just horrible and it had gotten to like a point like I was so depressed after that like that first week after the failure I just felt like I was just in this dumpy state you know I hated my body it had totally failed me I had done everything right I'd done what all the books say to do I'd done what all the physicians said to do I did everything right and my body still failed me and I literally cried for like an entire week and I was so sad like I was like I fully understand why people take their lives like if you are in that dark of a spot for whatever reason, like I get it. Like I would do anything to get out of how crappy I felt about life in general and whatever. And I was just like, nope, like I finally get it. And it's like so depressing, you know, to think about like, oh my God, like that's, but that's just how sad it is, you know? And I think what's hard for people when it comes to failed pregnancies or miscarriages is we 
we don't have the education beforehand. And so yeah. we don't know that this, like we don't, we aren't well enough informed to know this is a possibility and you're told to bet on hope. Like if you don't hope you're the issue, you have to yeah. keep positive and so you're blindsided. It, yeah. So when yeah. it doesn't happen, we immediately go, I'm the issue. I'm broken. Yeah. I'm cursed. Instead of going, my body's not the body to do this or whatever it may be. Right. Um, yeah. And second of all, what people who haven't thought they were pregnant, lost, you know, ended up with a negative test, ended up with infertility, had a miscarriage. What a lot of people don't understand is you're not even mourning just that situation. You're mourning yeah. the years of trying. You mourn the process. You yeah. mourn the actual excitement with that pregnancy. And then you mourn the future dreams you have. And it's right. so much emotion when you're not ready for it. It's, it's really hard. It's horrible. Yeah. Like there's just a whole life that just goes with that, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess, you know, I was, I had told one coworker like, oh, I just feel like, like this must be how bad a miscarriage feels, you know, yeah, not having was... had one. And she was just like, well, you basically had one. Like it yeah, was I mean, you, life yeah, that was, was put in you that did not stay. Yeah, and I was just like, oh my God. But yet like, post to all that other stuff I was like but do I really fit into this whole like I suffered a miscarriage thing because yeah. it's like there was no positive pregnancy it's test so you know frustrating because I think we I don't know if it's society or we self-judge I really don't know it may be all like this internal pressure we put ourselves but like even though I miscarried I always had like fear of well, I didn't miscarry third trimester or I never had a child in my yeah, arms or I didn't miscarry during birth, right? Like right. there's always like the person you think that deserves that title yeah, mm-hmm. because you have not been shown the kindness and the empathy that you deserve from the jump. So I, right. I often feel that way because I didn't go to I, do IVF. I'm yeah. like, do I actually fit in with like an infertility community? Cause I didn't, maybe I didn't try hard enough. Like people right. have done a lot yeah. more, have spent yeah. a lot more money. So it's just like, it's I, I so think hard. you do that no matter what your situation is. Like you're like, totally. somebody has it worse. Somebody is yeah. way worse off than I am. And then right. we yeah. feel like we're alone and no one understands because no one talks about it. Right. Yeah. No one's gone through this. I'm the only one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. So um, what went next? So after that, we had an appointment like a couple weeks later that we call the WTF appointment where you just kind of figure out like, okay, so what went wrong here? And the f- ironic part with that was they were like, well, maybe the genetic testing was wrong. And I'm just like, you jerks. Like I literally, we paid an extra like two, three grand to have it genetically tested to rule it out. And now is when I'm finally hearing that, oh, well, that could have been wrong. And it's like, but I thought that was like the only thing that we had going for us was this was normal. So obviously something else was wrong. And they're like, well, no, there's still like a 10% failure rate on that. And I'm just like, why? You know, like, I feel like there's a lot of things that- I mean, were you worried about your other embryo at that point too then? Like- Well, yeah, yeah. And, or maybe just like the state of my uterus. Cause then I was like, well, I think we need to do an ERA cycle then because I'm like, we need to, you know, test that and see what my receptivity is. And they're like, well, no, we only do that once you've had multiple failures. And I'm like, but we only have one more embryo left. So, right. You know, and they're just like, well, no, that's just really just a bad loss, bad sign, bad cycle. Like, and I was just like, oh, okay, fine. Like, 
I'll listen to you guys because you haven't steered me wrong yet. Bye. So we went into our second transfer and did that one in uh, end of February of 2020. And I just like mentally, I was not ready for another. So like within three months, you did both of them. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. But I was just like, well, I'm like, we'll just get this over with. I want to get not getting any younger. We just need exactly, to go. exactly. Like it's obviously gonna work this time, even though the right. first one didn't, and whatever. Um, and again, it's like we I was back on all the um supplements. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and doing acupuncture again and still spending all the money and it just didn't go um so we found that out in early March of 2020 that okay second one failed and I was like yep figures like after that failure I was just pissed like I don't yeah. think I cried initially it t- I think it took me a full like day or so before I actually cried about it so I was just pissed I was like yeah. I'm so mad like I went through all of this we have spent all this money and for nothing like it was so defeating and you know we have all this debt now that we have to pay off and then COVID hits and so now I have literally like been so strict on my life with gluten-free dairy-free no drinking no going out to eat taking all these supplements well now all that's off the table because I'm like screw it I'm gonna live my life COVID hits everything shuts down so now I'm trapped in my house I can't go out (laughs) to eat and eat my juicy greasy bacon cheeseburger and fries and (laughs) have a pitcher of beer because nobody can go anywhere and I'm just like oh my god seriously (laughs) it was just like the worst timing ever like just horrible yeah Uh, so that was not great um but after we got done uh, with our second failed transfer, then I was like, okay, well, kind of looked at Chris like, well, do we want to know the genders now? Because what the hell? We, we're not going to see them in the birthing room, you know? And yeah. he's like, yeah. So I messaged the embryologist or the, I think it was the genetic counselor or whatever. And was like, okay, well, we've been through our transfers. Neither of them worked can you tell us the genders of our embryos? And they're like, okay, sure. So the two normal ones that we transferred were girls. And then the abnormal one that we had was a boy. And so we're like, okay, so we, you know, it's just kind of nice, I guess, to know that it was just like, you know, basically like the final piece to the puzzle, essentially like, oh, well, what were they? Who were they? Whatever. I, um, um, I honor that. Cause like, I picture who she was. Yeah. You know what I mean? Rather than just being like, oh, I had this hope. It's like, no, I had a, I had a daughter. I just didn't get a holder. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that are like, oh, well, you'll see them in heaven. I'm like, I'm not sure I'm going to get there, but you know, I'm going to try. Like hopefully they have visitation in hell. If that's where I end up. <laughs> I do. Uh, yeah. I do kind of hate when people say that though like I know they mean it as a comforting thing but that that right again plays in the storyline oh so I'm not good enough now I'm cursed I'm a sin like it does make you think like well if I was loved wouldn't I get to meet them now like I had a really hard time with the religion I was brought up into 
into going through infertility and then learning my life now, it's been a very big religious movement. And at some point I asked Betsy to do an episode on it um, because I think it's really hard to not see yourself and then have people tell you just pray more or Mm-hmm. just or you'll see them in heaven again or whatever like it's all very yeah. much like the big picture it's out of your hands but then I'm like I'm still sad right I yeah I think where yeah. I have a problem with it like I I fully get where you're coming from but I think that that's assuming that everyone has the same religious beliefs that you do that too sure I think yeah. that that's where I would struggle with it like I mean I do I fully believe in heaven and hell like whatever but um not everyone does like that's kind of a crappy assumption to make if yeah if that's not where that person's at and like as someone who's dealt with infertility I don't want to hear what you think is going to make me feel better yeah like right I I don't I don't want to hear that like I want to hear maybe that you sympathize like that you Mm -hmm. feel for me but I don't want to hear like oh scratch that just ask me how I'm doing yeah let right. me talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How are you feeling about it? Do you want would to you talk like, about it? Would you yeah. like me to touch you? No. Okay. Would you like me to sit here? Do you want to talk? Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. You want a shoulder to cry on? You know, act like I'm whatever. tipping you based right. on your service. <laughs> yeah. And then you probably won't go wrong. This is an a la carte conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <sighs> yeah. So at that yeah. point in the panorama, gone through the two IVF um yeah. I never say I think pandemic. pandemic I never say pandemic I'm sorry oh, oh. Um, <laughs> that's what you mean I was just like she I, was go with it. I, I, I saw Betsy's recognition and then I go yeah most people don't know I don't say pandemic so it's a the- really wide photo <laughs> <laughs> at one time I'll be like in the pineapple phase of our life like whatever in the p right. word um you had went through your IVF transfers they weren't successful you decided to live life again had you yet groped mentally with the concept of like infertile or not having kids ever or are you still just like okay that didn't work uh basically we got done with that and I was like we can't afford to do this like financially cannot afford to do it And emotionally at that time, emotionally, I was just like, I cannot go into it with even half a heart of hope because it's already gone to crap twice now. And I did all the things. So I was just like, I don't think like when we started out, it was like, okay, we don't want to do IVF, but if we don't try, we'll never know. And so we had the means, we had the abilities so we basically were like, well, we're going to do it. And, you know, we obviously hope for success, but if we don't try, we will never know. And that's yeah. worse than going through it and failing. Right. But obviously initially like going through the failures was horrible and it took a long time. And like, I was so lonely initially. Cause I was like, there's zero like failure stories out there. And so like searching forever, like on Instagram and stuff just to find anybody that was like oh because there's we've talked about or other people have talked about the different hashtags of you know childless or infertility and like they're all still like oh a success story and it's just like ah like I have no success why am I the only failure you know so that's when I started finding different accounts online and like Nikki and I had already been friends and 
I know she talked on her episode because I think she had her hysterectomy when I was going through IVF and yeah. she kind of mentioned that, well, I don't know how I would feel if this, you know, internet friend of mine now gets pregnant and yeah. I'm obviously not going to get pregnant because I have no uterus. And just hearing her say that, I was like, oh, like, yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm like, you're welcome because I failed. So <laughs> we can stay friends. <laughs> I even still have a couple of people I follow on the IVF journey and like, I'm scared every time they post an update. I don't yeah. think I have jealousy or I would be hurt if they got pregnant, but like, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop and like to catch yeah. them. And I'm like, that's so yeah. unfair. But because yeah. all I saw was success. Now I feel like I'm just like this parachute that wants to save everybody when they fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had people that I was like psycho buddies with and well, we're transferring on the same day and yeah. oh, I can't wait to tell you about my data. And then you know, I would message them like our beta was negative and their beta was positive. Then, okay, two weeks later, oh, there's a heartbeat or oh, surprise, it's twins. And it's just yeah. like, Jesus, you know? Yeah. And so I honestly, I think I muted almost everybody because yeah. of those people that I had cycle buddied up with. So I was like, I can't, like, this is too much in my face, like your bump updates. And then yeah. once you have your kid, like, nope, like I'll like most of them, I don't even remember what their handles were. So I can't even like stalk them now to be like, Hmm, did they have like a major blowout and there's poop everywhere? Cause that would make me feel better. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's but, hard. Cause yeah, no one talks about a, that side. Beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when I found you guys, I think mm-hmm. Betsy probably first. And I was just for like, sure. You know, I was late to like, the game. I was hanging out in totally. the space until I found Betsy. It's weird for me to get to this point of the podcast and my community and my friends, because yeah, I wasn't ever willing to say infertile, even when my heart knew I was done trying. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I didn't know I should, or I could, or I should start coping with that. I was just still so caught yeah. up on my failures. And right. then I started connecting with cool people like Betsy and seeing people like own it and talk about it. And I was like, Oh, well, I'm already doing this with the chronic illness space. Mm-hmm. must be my authentic self here right yeah, so it's yeah. hard but so. I got pulled into this cool gang by B she had really cool friends She's and then amazing. I was like love me too please anytime yeah. anyone I will welcome everyone <laughs> you're amazing we'll put limits on how many people she can like so that way we don't get bumped out so like Right. We'll have a yeah, meeting after what, this where we can, we'll, we'll set the quota. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, I, 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 did, I think I know um, who's off the list first. <laughs> I did tell Amy that the rule was she couldn't like Kaylee more than me though. So that was, right. that was we all have that thing. rule within yeah. like our turtle group. Like, well, like Nikki, like you better love me yeah. yeah. It's funny like, though. I know you live close me, but she took me to the side and be like, I'm going to be your favorite. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I am. Like, I'm everyone's yeah. favorite. I was no, like, okay, Amy, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> God. That's how so I knew stupid. I'd like you, though. I was like, this smart ass. We're going to be yeah. nice. Total so smart we're ass. Almost out of time. But so let's, yeah. like, where are you at with your life now? What do you feel? How, how do you feel? So now we're just living life. We are childless, child free, whatever, planning trips. And honestly, there's, probably you know every few days there's something that happens where I'm like thank god we don't have kids (laughs) and it's like it's so weird to have gotten to that point knowing how like how you know deeply depressed I was after that first failure to now get to this point like 
if you would have told you know 2019 me that oh no you're gonna you're gonna fail both but you're gonna be okay I'd be like "Mm, no I'm gonna go into the poorhouse and I'm gonna panhandle until I get a child you know and it's just like nope like I mean it's still there's hard days there's hard interactions you know society whatever um as far as like my endo and or questionable ad no I did get an IUD placed a month ago so Mm -hmm. I am managing life with that and I don't better at all or uh, I don't know (laughs) yeah I'm not sure like the placement of it was really traumatic um and so if I do have it changed out before I have a hysterectomy I'm going to have to do it with sedation because there's no way, there's no reason for me to put myself through a like experience with that again, because the placement was pretty horrible, but I got through it and I was really proud of me afterwards that I didn't pass out. I didn't fall. I didn't freak out, you know, and were able to get it in, but I don't know. There's still, there's like a new pain associated with that. And so I have an ultrasound set up for like mid September to, check the placement which I'm like okay well in my head now I'm like so it's already eroding through so by the time I have my ultrasound it's going to be completely in my bladder now like that's yeah. great right. but we're not that's called home. anxiety that we <laughs> being, yeah hypochondriac <laughs> because I've seen all the things in my right. line of work and I know all the worst case scenarios because it happens and and we've experienced so, them yeah um, so I have one last question for you First, I want to say thank you for coming on the show because I think your story is really important. It's one I resonate with, but I think people should hear more about like how bad you can get and how low you can get and how then you can be okay. Yeah. So thank you for sharing and being so upfront and open with our, our team and our friends here. But because that's my thank you, my last question for you is what would your advice have been to Amy at the beginning of her infertility process? Oh, deep. So deep. Yeah. What would I have? God. What do you wish you would have been told? And, and granted, you had hope then, right? You wanted to be a mom. Right. What, what do yeah. you wish somebody would have told you? Uh, I feel like I wish I would have known about more failures so that when I got to the failure, I wouldn't maybe have gotten as deeply depressed. Yeah. You know, like, I just wish, and like, I know, I'm sure they told me, like I've said, but you just don't hear it. And I almost feel like there should be more like pre IVF therapy, not the, oh, well, now that you've been through this traumatic, horrible experience, now let's talk about it. It's like, no, counsel me beforehand so that when, you know, stuff doesn't go right, I know I have coping mechanisms. I'm not just going to sit on the couch and ball and use my dog as my tissue (laughs) and get tears all over it, you know, but well, thank you. I think that's one thing that we need to add to the conversation. Yeah. Like like mental health, pre-counseling, whatever. Yeah. Would have been huge. And I know I still probably should go to some type of therapy to get through it and like, just kind of like close that chapter, but I'm stubborn and I don't want to feel my feelings like Betsy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, I think that we're pretty much the same. We'll get there. You guys are friends now. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. We love you so much. Love love you you guys so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You're amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Your guys are amazing. (laughs) 